The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 138. And Joey, I think one of us today has a new phone. Mickey Papillon is a cell phone junkie. I did make the switch and I am over with AT&T. As the rumor has been going, I did order a Centro. So I guess I would compare it to something like Mobile Utopia. Worst battery life ever. All right, we ready? Recording. Here we go. Steve Jobs goes on leave. Citizen journalists capture the U.S. Airways crash on their phones. And HTC's roadmap is leaked. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Coppas. And we've got a ton of stuff to talk about today, but before we get into it, we need to hear about the continuing saga of Joey and Sprint. So Joey, go ahead, tell us what's been going on with Sprint. Well, luckily, I, I think the saga may be, uh, may be averted. Uh, I did um, call up retentions. Basically, you know, I just uh, you know, dialed star two on my cell phone and said, cancel my account. And that actually does get you to some... Well, you know what? I didn't say that because they got rid of the uh, voice-activated system, which I was kind of surprised at when I called it because I haven't called Star 2 in a really long time. It's kind of the basic standard, you know, press this for this, press this for this. And I hit, you know, uh, cancel service. So um, in the past, that is, has gotten me the, the best results out of anything. And I did that. And the guy seemed kind of annoyed at first that I was calling him. But I said, if you don't fix this problem, I'm canceling all of these lines. And he then thought okay well i guess i'll help out so he got it done pretty quick and i think it was all taken care of uh right after i had talked to him the ups showed up with the phone that i did order because i was going to switch one of the next telephones over to a simply everything plan with a q9c and instead of one q9c in the box there were three (laughs) so whoever decided to order my phone uh decided that three was better than one and had you know three of the lines on there because I, I obviously the, the person who did all these things uh wanted commissions or something so they just decided to you know change the plans on every every phone then decided to you know just add three phones arbitrarily not you know not all you know not all six just three no, for no apparent reason just half sure just sure. half of it yeah um so that's bizarre and annoying uh, i haven't yet dealt with those phones yet so um, I, I activated one of them that, uh, activated no problem. So got, uh, got that one, uh, running. So they were able to switch over from the next tell, you know, phone number right over to the, to the sprint phone number. No problem. So that was at least a good part of the, the whole transition and have any issue with that part, which I thought, wow, if I'm having this much trouble, just getting the, uh, plan changed, I wonder how getting the phone switch from, from next to sprint will go, but it went good. Mm. So. Well, we've got some comments here later in the show from some of the listeners about the your tr- your troubles with it and things that you can do if you are also uh, listening to the show and you're having problems with Sprint, places that you can go to get some uh, resolution to the problems. In the news this week, let's talk about Verizon. They've outlined their integration into Altel, and they what they said this week is that they are going to start the rebranding the second quarter of 2009. So as we know, the business deal was completed last week, but unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you look at it, uh, the, the rebranding and going away of the Altel brand will not happen for about another four to six months. It will then continue in phases through the third quarter, um, and as as the uh, billing system changes are completed, they will uh, they will allow Verizon and Alltel customers 
to have mobile-to-mobile calling minutes between themselves. So some some things that have to occur here uh, in the in the process of getting all this to happen. Uh, current Alltel customers will be happy to know they can retain their current plans, including the My Circle service uh, during the transition, and will receive a letter in the coming weeks explaining the transition. So the vast majority of the customers that they have will be able to keep their current phones and be able to continue on basically like nothing happened, which is kind of a good way of going about it. This is the nice thing about having a merger happen where you have two companies with similar technologies is that you're able to, most of the people are able to keep their current phones. Of course, there will be some markets that will be divesting based on uh, certain regulations set forth uh, by the FCC. But most, for the most part, the people uh, will be transitioned basically over to Verizon, uh, Verizon plans eventually as their contracts come up for renewal. So some interesting facts with that. And of course, uh, Verizon, we talked about last week, is now the biggest carrier in the U.S. here. They've got over 80 million people and uh, will be continuing to grow as they sign up people into the future, being uh, far ahead of AT&T at this point. Next here, Best Buy is said to be getting an exclusive with the Palm Pre. And this is a rumor at this point, uh, but uh, the WebOS Arena website has posted up that Best Buy will be the Sprint exclusive retail partner for the Palm Pre. This is similar to what happened with the Samsung Instinct. Uh, The consumer electronics retailer Best Buy will offer the Pre exclusively for 60 days, according to the report, before Sprint partners get it. Unfortunately, there's no other information available yet on a release date. So a very, uh, very could be a very good thing for Best Buy uh, to get this hot device if people are looking to get it. They'll have to go to them to pick it up. Next here, the National Safety Council has suggested that the use of mobile phones while driving be banned across the entire U.S. They cited uh, that a Harvard study uh, said that 6, 636,000 crashes uh, this past year, or about 6% of all crashes, led to 2,600 deaths annually here in the U.S. 23 states have already enacted some sort of cell phone restriction uh, while driving, but they said that they can still be used in cars, and they state that the use of cell phones in cars should be banned completely, meaning that you can't make phone calls even with hands-free systems, of course, or surfing the internet or sending SMS messages, which we know is dangerous, would also be restricted as well. The CTIA trade group, which represents the wireless companies, disagrees with the National Safety Council's position on the issue. This brings up a, a, a kind of a topic to discuss here, Joey, and that's, you know, what is what is okay to do in the car with your phone and, and what is not? Because you kind of get into a, you know, a certain line of what, what's distracted driving and what's not. Oh, it's a total gray area, Mickey. Uh, I mean, it really depends on the driver ability to multitask and the driver's uh, ability to, to maintain attention and, um, you know, their skill level. It, it really con- kind of comes down to, you know, some people are probably more uh, conscious drivers than they are unconscious drivers in, in certain respects. Um, you know, some people could be talking on the phone, using the computer, uh, probably listening to their walkie-talkie and, you know, uh, changing the radio station at the same time and, and still be a, a, a very good driver. Whereas, uh, you know, another person, that they can't even change, you can't even listen to the radio and be a good driver at the same time. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's really tough. It's really tough to say. Yeah, and I think this advocacy group uh, in their, you know, their overall U.S. ban of using phones is, uh, 
you know, it, it certainly they've got some statistics behind it, so they're not just pulling this out of nowhere. Uh, they kind of do some representations uh, of, uh, you know, when our friends have been drinking, we take away the car keys. It's time to take cell phones away from people, uh, you know, and whatnot. So they, they do mention some of the states, such as California, and then you you folks out on the East Coast, uh, New Jersey, New York, and Connecticut also have bans as well. So it, it's not without precedent, and uh, public awareness is uh, will be will be interesting to see what the, what the perception is here. Yeah, it is. And, and, you know, and personally, I try to minimize the time I'm on the phone while, while I'm in the car. Um, I mean, I, I don't go out of my way to make phone calls. I, I, you know, I do receive phone calls and do answer them, but I always use the Bluetooth. Um, I, I do like that a lot nicer. Um, you know, I, I never seem to have any difficulty uh, driving and maintaining uh, a phone call. But, you know, if there is something important going on, you know, you're, you're, you, you know, you do get more distracted if it's unless it's just a you know boring, plain old conversation. But you know, text messaging is 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 pretty bad. Um, one thing I you know I, I'll admit to, but you know I don't know how else to do it really is you know driving around um, occasionally, especially on vacation. You know, I I'll refer to the Google Maps on there to see where I need to go, and you know it's 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 not a lot different than using a GPS, but it's a smaller screen. It's a little bit harder to look at. But I still don't have much trouble doing that. But of course, that's a good, you know, that is still a good driver distraction because, I mean, you do, you know, take your eyes off the road for the brief instant to look at the little screen. So I don't know exactly, you know, I don't know how this line can be drawn. Um, You know, the CTIA kind of objected to this ban completely. And that's probably understandable because, you know, they represent the group of the wireless carriers. And if everybody stopped using their phones in the car, uh, think of how many minutes... Uh, that the cell phone carriers would be losing out on uh, for per, you know for people you know using, which accounts for quite a bit of revenue. Mm-hmm. There's still a lot of people who will use their phones while they're out and about, but then as soon as they get to their house or office or whatever, they completely put the cell phone down and go to a landline only. So it is the mobile way that they communicate uh, versus others of us that you know will be conscious of it while we're driving and not use them. And, you know, we talk about this a lot. We, we, we spend a lot of time talking about in-vehicle use of handsets because it is a very important one. Uh, we have, uh, you know, we find that anytime you're, you're doing something uh, with your phone that distracts you from driving, it's, it's not good. And so we just want to make everyone aware of the dangers of it. And that's why we'd like to talk about this a lot. So, We'll continue to uh, stay on top of this story because it is a very important uh, one to us here at the Cell Phone Junkie. Next here, AT&T's CEO, or excuse me, Apple CEO Steve Jobs has taken a medical leave of absence. He announced this week that he will be, for health reasons, leaving the company as CEO until June. And Chief Operating Officer Tim Cook will assume the day-to-day management of Apple until Steve Jobs returns. So we'll see what happens uh, with that one and uh, Apple's strategy for the next six months. Well, it, it's it's very unfortunate that this is uh, happening to Steve Jobs, and I'm, I'm sure it's you know it's really tough on him and his family for this uh, the medical conditions he's got. But I think um, you know the writing's kind of been on the wall for a while, so I I'm sure they've been doing the appropriate steps at Apple. Uh, to get you know new people trained in um, to 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 basically download his information and his style of thinking uh, to hopefully keep you know Apple uh, innovating and keep that you know that top down uh, drive that he has had and and brought Apple back from basically the dead um, to compete against Microsoft here with the Mac OS and to you know basically just you know change the rule book completely on uh, mobile phones so. 
A lot of people are trying to write off Apple at this point. You think that's fair? They will. Uh, no, no, it's not fair because I, now that he's back and he's been back for a while, and and I think you know the, the health issues. I think it's been known for quite some time. So I think that um, you know he's probably developed the people around him. Um, you know, to, to, to take over his job. You know, there's not going to be just one person doing it, but I'm sure um, they will maintain, uh, maybe not the exact level that he's been able to do, but in fact, they may, you know, this group may be able to do, you know, better than Steve Jobs. It's quite possible. So I don't think uh, Apple's going to just tank now. Yeah, a lot of different changes have been happening. Obviously, they have decided to pull out a Mac world, meaning they're going to have to make the announcements for products kind of on their own schedule. So I think that could be, uh, you know, could be interesting. WWDC always occurs in June. And so we'll see here in the next six months if if he indeed comes back for that, or if Tim will be doing, uh, you know, or Phil, or whoever it is that they decide to make the keynote presentations at that one, and then moving forward into other trade shows, how that all works out. So Another company here with some kind of sour news, Motorola announced this week reducing costs and reorganizing. As part of the reorg, they are eliminating 3,000 positions associated with mobile devices and 1,000 positions associated with corporate functions uh, and other business units. The reductions will begin immediately. They were announced uh, in December, and uh, Motorola will be saving about $1.5 billion in 2009. Motorola additionally announced its fourth quarter results and have shown that the company shipped about 19 million handsets with revenues ranging from 7 to 7.2 billion. So 4,000 layoffs in all, Joey. What are they doing? Where are these 4,000 people? What are they working on? It's not like they're just pumping out devices left and right. They kind of seem very, you know, very stagnant. I I honestly couldn't tell you, Mickey. With 4,000 people, I would think there would be a lot more phones if there's 4,000 people to cut, I would think there'd be a lot of new handset models coming out. So I'm not sure, Mickey. It seems I don't I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> I mean, it, I mean, it's almost like if you look at the number of devices that they release in any given year, just to be even on the conservative side, let's just say they do, um, you know, 16 devices, right? I mean, that's 250 people a, a handset. I mean, that seems like a lot of people working on those. But um, anyway, they've got uh, certainly a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of fluff in there. Or if they didn't, they're cutting a lot of people that are going to kind of, you know, squelch the, the development that they're going to have on the current devices. But, you know, whether it's an, a refresh to the queue or a new razor, they haven't really put out anything innovative um, in recent years. And so, unfortunately, I, I think this is inevitable as well. But uh Sorry to hear that from Motorola, obviously a company that both Joey and I uh, really like and have really supported in the past. So uh, best of luck to them uh, moving into the future. Uh, We talked last week about a little bit of drama out in Washington, D.C., where the FCC wanted to put together a a jamming demonstration around prisons where uh, some certain devices would be jammed. kind of restricted from being used. So basically, they put a cell phone jammer out there and all cell phone communications within the prisons would not be able to be used. The CTIA did not like this idea and said that the demo violated the law. Well, the FCC waited too long, and uh, so the association went back to the court and they blocked this from happening. So the, the demo has been canceled, so there will not be a cell phone jamming demonstration happen around one of the prisons uh, out near Washington, D.C. So very uh, kind of political in the uh, what, what's happened with that one. But 
I, I guess it's for the best of you know the guards as far as communication and whatnot to the outside world. But anyway, a very interesting story nonetheless. Uh, but it looks like for the time being, it has been put on hold. Well, Obama has been uh, has finally decided. We talked about last week to not have a BlackBerry. He said that he would be relinquishing it when he takes office here this coming Tuesday, January twentieth. But what could he use as a handheld device to communicate with the outside world? Well, the um, the the CNN group, or excuse me, the CNET group believes that it could be a, a secure PDA and one that's used currently by the NSA. This is a Windows mobile operating system based device that looks like something that you would definitely uh, find in a very ruggedized condition. It's created by General Dynamics, and it's called the Sectera Edge. It's a combination phone PDA certified by the NSA, and it is acceptable for top-secret voice communications and secret email and websites. There are three separate modules in it. It works on Wi-Fi, GSM, and CDMA networks, dustproof, waterproof, and rugged enough to survive four foot drops onto concrete. Physically, it's very similar to the Palm Trio 750, but it does have a LCD display that is below the keyboard, the front-facing QWERTY keyboard that's on it. Price tag, $3,350, but it does come with a two-year warranty, so if you do happen to have an issue, you can send it back. Uh, the, uh, the lighter plug adapter for plugging it in the car costs $100, so keep that in mind that this is not a device for the masses. Um, other than that, it's uh, it's a very chunky-looking device here, but it's kind of interesting to see that there could be something that Obama could use in his communications. What do you think? Well, we'll just have to see if they, they'll get this in his hands. I, I don't know if they'll have it right away here because it obviously takes some time to, you know, to get this stuff approved, but I, we'll just have to see. Yeah, I mean, this could be the answer for him, or it could be something similar to it as well. There's some other renderings of other devices, some other PDA phones from uh, L3 Communications are in development as well that that they're talking about too. Yeah, I I still am kind of of the opinion that this probably won't happen, at least not for for at least a year or two. Yeah, I I think overall this is going to be very, very difficult to get through the secure uh, communication ports uh, of the Secret Service and and those that protect the president. So it's going to be it's it's going to be interesting though to see what happens. He's very adamant that he wants to be able to stay you know in communication. And if it's a Windows mobile device, so be it. Hopefully he's got an easily accessible software reset port. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Moving on here today, FCC Chairman of the FCC Kevin Martin announced that he will resign on January twentieth, and uh, President Elect Barack Obama has nominated Julius Janachowski, and he will be taking charge uh, as uh, as the chairman of the FCC as of next Tuesday. So we'll take a look at that one and see what he has got to do here. But I think, Joey, it's about time that Kevin Martin has stepped down, don't you think? I do. It, it, we've had, uh, it seems like the FCC has been in complete disarray in the past uh, number of years. So hopefully they can kind of get the FCC back on track and get, um, you know, just... I, I don't know. We, we've seen like it's so divergent from its, you know, historical um, function that I, I it's it's very upsetting to me what what has happened to the FCC. Yeah, and of course, whoever they decide it looks like it's going to be Janachowski uh, will obviously have a very very heavy hand in shaping the future of wireless. And so this will be the kind of the frontier of things. And so this person gets to put their hand in it. So pretty neat. 
Next here, RIM has issued some security patches for the BlackBerry. Kind of goes hand in hand with talking about Obama and one of the reasons why he has not gone with a BlackBerry. And uh, the flaws affect BlackBerry Enterprise Server Software version 4.1 Service Pack 3 through Service Pack 6. The BlackBerry Professional Software Service Pack 4 is also affected, and they have put in their notes a security advisory for that as well. There are multiple multiple security vulnerabilities existing in the PDF distiller, and some released versions of the BlackBerry attachment service will cause uh, malicious individuals to send email messages containing a, quote, specially crafted PDF file, which when opened, will cause memory corruption, leading to an arbitrary code execution on the computer that hosts the BlackBerry attachment service. Basically, all this means that uh, you could have some issues with your device, including uh, data vulnerabilities and or problems with sending and receiving future messages with the device. So they've issued some patches for that. So hopefully those will have been addressed. Boost Mobile announced this week a very, very... Uh, cutting plan where for $50 per month, you have unlimited voice and unlimited SMS, unlimited wireless web and push to talk services all for $50 a month. It specifically is for the Boost IDEN network. It will be available beginning January 22nd, and they will launch new handsets that are uh, compatible with the service with this as well, including one new bar style phone. They're hoping the new plan will better compete with Metro PCS and Leap. Vodafone showed off this week a 16 megabit per second HSPA uh, type technology, uh, which uh, is something that we have not seen up until this point. 7.2 megabits per second has been the highest speeds that we've seen on the HSPA networks. Of course, with LTE coming out here over the next year, they've already shown rates of 50 to 100 megabits per second across wide bandwidth channels in their real world tests. But of course, we won't see anything for probably another year with that. So 16 megabits per second possibly coming in the next year uh, from Vodafone. Also, a possible uh, digital TV delay has got some mobile operators a little bit upset. Of course, digital TV is supposed to be uh, supposed to go into full effect on February 17th here in the U.S. The process will uh, open up the frequencies available in the 700 megahertz band, which will then be turned over over to the mobile broadband providers, which will be able to put together networks that will enhance their data services for the most part, in addition to uh, some other things. The federal government has been trying to prepare customers here in the U.S. for the change over the last few years, but the administration of uh, President-elect Obama has recommended that the deadline, uh, February 17th, that is, be extended. Uh, The NTIA, or National Telecommunications Information Administration, which has a $1.3 billion budget for the coupons, has run out of money. This is a very problematic story for the folks here in the U.S. that are trying to get their digital television all transitioned over in uh, an appropriate amount of time. So, Joey, what does this mean for the cellular carriers? Well, obviously, this means a a lot of money in planning. Uh, They've already put out a lot of money for the spectrum. Uh, Another delay is you might as well just get it over with. Uh, You know, I I don't know, Mickey, if you remember, but when when this all first started going down, I I was really afraid. I don't know if you mentioned on the cell phone junkie, but this was probably even before that. But I I remember talking to you about this going, you know, this is going to hit people real hard, real fast, because there was just no news. It was just dead silent. And, you know, the date was still, you know, three, four years away, but nobody was talking about it. Nobody could care. And then all of a sudden, you know, this year it's really kicked into high gear, which, okay, I, I guess I understand, but 
I mean, I knew this was going to be a huge issue when this date actually came up. And sure enough, oh, let's extend it. Let's no, just just switch it over. I mean, if 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 you didn't budget enough money, you didn't do it the right way, which I I don't think they did a very good job of this, you know, from the start. But you know, just make the switch because it's not just the TV watchers, TV viewers who are uh, you know affected by this change. So I mean, if they went through all this trouble of clearing up the spec, you know, of selling the spectrum, clearing this all off. Just do it because it, it's not going to make any difference. Well, do you know anybody in your family or you know uh, friends or whoever that still use the rabbit ears? And uh, yes. you know, have, have you talked to them about this? Yes. Yep. And they they have seen all of the advertisements and, and very concerned about it. And um, <laughs> uh, it, yeah. It, but 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 the you know but but who it is is the, the you know who's going to be affected mostly in the country is uh, you know uh, you know retired people. You know, uh, you know, they're, they're older, uh, they, they have less money, and this is the most confusing thing to them. So, I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, it's just, it's just poor. I mean, it's just, it's just not a very good way to go about it. And, you know, we've got the, we've got the converter box there. Um, the coupons were applied for. I, I did that uh, for her, and they never came, as far as I can tell. Oh. So, um, luckily I had, had signed up for, uh, the mine here, uh, early on and I, I did get the two of them. And, uh, so I gave her one of the boxes that we had here. So it, it's still kind of, it's yeah, not, well, not I think good. a lot of people, they poorly don't understand. Implemented. Yeah. Poorly implemented for sure, but they don't understand what does digital mean? You know, they, they come, you know, especially the elderly who's come from a generation where, you used to get up and change the channel on your television by turning a dial, and now you've got this remote control with you know digital numbers on the screen. I mean, it seems very digital what they're using, and so the term digital doesn't mean a whole lot other than you know I've got a new TV set. I should be okay, right? I don't understand what this means. What what is digital? What is that? You know, the the the, the use of the spectrum is so foreign to so many people. It just it's so difficult to explain to somebody what this actually means oh and you don't need to it's 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 too over the top uh one of the things that just drove me crazy about this is is how long they were still selling analog tuner tvs they weren't even required to stop selling them until just not not even i don't even know if it was a year ago that's it one year that that's it that's absolutely unbelievable there should have been a 10-year process where 10 years You've got to have digital tuners in your TVs 10 years ago is when they should have had required to be selling digital tuners in your TV. Not a year ago. That's horrible. That's that's horrible. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any possible way that this is going to go well when it first transitions over. And I think, unfortunately, for those that are in the minority which it's, it is the minority that are going to have problems with this, they are not going to know where to go. They're going to be calling the television stations. They're going to be calling you know, family and friends, and they're going to just say, you, know, you need to do X, Y, or Z. But they're not going to know where to go, to, you know, what they need to do to get this right. No, and one thing they did uh, just pass uh, here, I think it was like a couple of weeks ago, they, uh, they're going to allow some of the, the TV stations to actually broadcast a message uh, for one month after the cutoff date to say, um, you know, you need to switch over. You need to get your converter box to see uh, your TV stations now. 
Um, oh. So that was something they didn't even think about or plan ahead for, but they did just uh, implement that. So a couple of stations around each area will be allowed to broadcast that just that screen up for for a month afterwards, uh, which would, a, which will really help the people who who sure you know com- completely caught off guard by it. Yeah, maybe do some uh, you know do some of the VHF channels. Uh, you know, to possibly, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the channels that you pick, maybe channel two. It, it, it depends on the, it depends on the market. The there's area. actually, a, yeah, a, they, a, a, there's power levels and all that stuff is all involved with that particular, um, uh, particular decision there. But, but that's, gr- I mean, that is a great thing to have there. Yeah. But what a mess. The two carriers, of course, that are being the, the most affected by this, of course, AT&T and Verizon, the two that are looking to take the 700 megahertz frequencies and roll out their LTE networks. Of course, Verizon, very, very ready to take control of the spectrum as their current EVDO network has got you know a theoretical maximum of 3.1 megabits. And the AT&T HSDPA or HSPA networks that they're implementing, you know, they can expand those for years to come. I mean, we are not even close to, you know, maxing out on the networks there. And so AT&T probably in a better position at this point than Verizon. Yeah, but if they're going to make the switch to LTE, you know, they want to do it as soon as they can on that better spectrum. I mean, because that 700 sure. megahertz spectrum is so prime. And, it, you know, the, this, you know, an extra delay of a few months is, I mean, it will make a difference, especially uh, in their bottom line. Mm-hmm. Well, and of course, you know, we're talking about, and, and we haven't we haven't really heard much about it this week, which you know continues to make me a little bit skeptical. But AT and T possibly, you know, taking their edge network out of the seventeen hundred megahertz, or excuse me, the eight hundred megahertz band, and having it only nineteen hundred megahertz to make way for you know their additional three G capacity that they're doing. So they're still doing some underlying things with the current networks that they're operating because you know that's that's what's going to go on here. But you know, trying to get people away from this old edge network, which which of course they're still selling lots of different devices for that are very popular, such as the BlackBerry, and of course you know the only year and a half old regular uh, first generation iPhone. I call it the regular iPhone. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of phones that are out there that are going to be affected by this. And um, anyway, uh, we kind of digress there. But uh, let's move on here. Finish up the news. Samsung splitting into two major divisions. They announced this week a restructuring plan. They'd be dividing up their operations. One focusing on uh, cell phones and TVs and other consumer uh, products. It will be called the Digital Media and Communications Division. The other will focus in manufacture components such as displays and memory chips called the Device Solution Division. Samsung, of course, is the largest manufacturer of flash memory chips and LCDs in the world, and the move is being done to soften the man- soften to- in response to the softening demand for Samsung products. Uh, the iPhone has been in the news this week, and it's not uh, the device itself, but rather pictures taken with it. The uh, miraculous uh, crash and rescue of the passengers from U.S. Airways Flight 1549 in New York City this past Thursday has been very big news. And uh, over the, the course of the last few days, there's been a lot of pictures that have rolled in, including some from an iPhone camera that uh, made the front page of a few newspapers out on the East Coast. A businessman named Janice Crumbs was on a Hudson River ferry boat when the pilot uh, pilot of uh, the U.S. Airways flight plunged into the river and was able to snap some pictures of the sinking aircraft, including ones with passengers standing on the right wing. So it was uh, on front pages of papers all across the country. So just a citizen journalism story to kind of you know promote the use of cell phone cameras and as we get more and more cameras out in the marketplace. Of course, we're going to see more stories like this, but just kind of a neat 
thing to see that someone using an iPhone and uh, the TwitPick service, which I'm sure will be ever more popular now, now that people have seen the power of it. Uh, and of course, he sent it out on his Twitter feed as well. So kind of cool. It, you know, and, you know, I have to digress, but an amazing story that the uh, pilot was able to get the plane landed safely and uh, everybody was able to get off. And those pictures were absolutely stunning with the people standing on the wings, you know, you know, partially submerged. Uh, totally amazing story, I yeah. have to say. Yeah, it certainly is. So I'm, uh, I'm encouraged to see that, you know, at least some of the mainstream media is taking into account kind of the, uh, you know, the the, the 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 citizen you know going out and taking pictures and, and the power of people being everywhere and especially having a camera in their pocket you know 24/7. yeah and if you do and CNN's been really pushing that I think they call it eye reporter or something if you do yes. want to see some uh, amazing pictures of that uh, of that uh, rescue operation just go to cnn.com and you will see quite a few uh, uh, quite a few things they have posted. Yep, absolutely. Well, Microsoft uh, this week announced that, uh, or it's clarified rather, the limiting number of Windows mobile phones uh, report that came out last week and said, quote, the implication in the New York Times that Microsoft will limit the number of Windows mobile devices is not accurate. Uh, seemingly, Microsoft is looking to uh, make sure that what they're doing is uh, not being over, you know, or, you know, you know, overshadowed by everything else that's going on in the industry, making sure that they've got the number of devices that are out there uh, for the consumer demand. So, this is, this is another example, uh, Joey, of Microsoft uh, announcements or releases of information that seems to be wrong. We always seem to have to come back and clarify something for Microsoft. It's terrible. I don't know what they're doing over there, but we'll, <laughs> they're confused as usual. Yeah. Well, and another one here, Brian Viscount, Motorola's vice president of marketing, has stated that uh, they remain 100% committed to Windows Mobile. So uh, there was another rumor report that Motorola was giving up on Windows Mobile. That is not the case either. They're committed to developing for the Windows Mobile operating system. And I don't know. We'll just <laughs> we'll continue to move forward here, I guess. And, and so will they with their development for Windows Mobile. And finally, in the news, Obama is asking Sprint to set up a $2 billion first responder network. A uh, letter sent to President-elect Obama and his incoming administration requested $2 billion to set aside specifically for a wireless network serving the nation's first responders. They are calling for 100 satellite-based light trucks that would respond to emergencies and 100,000 or more mobile handsets in equipment in up to 40 pre-selected sites being able to uh, deploy the necessary gear to anywhere in the continental United States in four hours or less. They already have supplies, um, already supplies the network technology to many of the nation's emergency services agencies. And they said that uh, Sprint said that they feel the IDEN network would be a good candidate for the program. They're hoping to get $2 billion in an attachment to the economic stimulus plan currently moving through Congress and they've also asked the FCC to reevaluate the fees for routing telephone calls and internet services, which are controlled mo- mostly at this point by AT&T and Verizon. Into the devices this week. First off, HTC's 2009 roadmap was uh, kind of leaked out, and uh, we've got a number of different devices uh, that have been have shown here, and it's going to take too long to go through, so we'll just mention a few of them. You've got some options uh, that include front-facing QWERTY devices, which you'd expect to see from HTC, including uh, the Maple, which could be known as the 3G Excalibur, and the Willow W. Also, they've got some 
some slide-out QWERTY devices, which uh, would be similar to your HTC uh, or AT&T Fuse or HTC Touch Pro, such as the Rhodium W, which is stated or slated to go to Verizon Wireless, or the Tungsten W, slated to go to Sprint. Uh, the rest of these devices here um, have have names for them and have got some, some information that you can read about them, and I'll cut a couple of links in the show notes here so you can go through, and I'm sure these will be released or not released throughout the world over the next year, and we'll be talking <laughs> about each of them as we go. Uh, obviously, a roadmap doesn't necessarily mean that they've come out, does it? Nope. There's some very, uh, very bizarre-looking phones, and there's some very uh, neat ones as well. Yeah, so we'll we'll uh, we'll talk about the ones that do come out. But if you're interested in kind of the rumor side of HTC, we've got the news for you. The iPhone Nano looks like it will be official, but not here in the U.S. There's an article pointing towards how the iPhone Nano may be on its way, but it's not a U.S. device. In fact, it may not even be built by Apple. Uh, this is a, a a device that could be a China launch and a very much iPhone clone in a smaller package. Uh, we uh, still are talking about rumors here on everything that's out there, and, and you know, we'll see. <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen here, Joey. I just don't. I, yeah, I don't either. Well, it's an interesting, it's an interesting concept. Yes, indeed. The uh, the Sprint Samsung Instinct has been a popular phone over the last year, and in a pink version, it is now available. Ninety nine dollars from Sprint's site, so check that one out if you're interested in a pink Instinct. Well, Dell's smartphone rumors are flaring up again. Looks like they could be possibly announcing something as early as next month at the Mobile World Congress convention in Barcelona. So keep your eye to Dell if you're interested in seeing what they have to release. Also in the rumors, the Asus E phone, that's E-E-E phone, has been uh, said from Asus chairman Johnny uh, Sheesh as confirmed and that they will be doing um, a phone in the next, uh, uh, I guess, year. They're saying that uh, almost every flat service could become a display in the future. We will use our televisions to surf the web, watch internet content, and that content will also be available on the displays built into walls and mirrors. Details are scarce, but they say a launch of their device in the first half of 2009. ClearWire, of course, a uh, launching a WiMAX service throughout the, co- the country, having service in Portland, Oregon as the first city that they have uh, put service in. The company's chief strategy officer announced plans this week for a prototype of a portable WiMAX slash Wi-Fi router, enabling access to the 4G mobile broadband network from Wi-Fi-enabled devices. A pre-production version of the router uses Motorola's WiMAX USB stick to allow multiple users to connect through it. Uh, the, uh, uh, the executive says that every iPhone user adopting uh, or opting to use the ClearWire router for faster data speeds than the devices built in 3G access. Well, of course. Anyway, so we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens with this one. Expected a launch next month, February, priced at $125. Another good option for the WiMAX users. Absolutely. Come on, Minneapolis, St. Paul, WiMAX rollout. Come on, get going. <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway. This could be. Th- this is the answer. You know, you get this router, you plug in your stick, there's your Wi-Fi for your house. No, it's great. Uh, and you know what? This is, this is the kind of stuff that, you know, Verizon and AT&T want their 700 meg- megahertz spectrum for as fast as possible. Because every month that goes by, you know, WiMAX gets a stronger hold and has, you know, that much more uh, time uh, to get the jump on, on, you know, the, the, the mobile broadband uh, arena. So, I mean, this, this is one of the reasons why they're just, you know, they, they want their spectrum. Yep, they certainly do. So we'll, uh, 
you know, we'll see what happens with this, but this is a this is a great step forward uh, for Clearwire in announcing this product because it will certainly make the use of the service a little bit more manageable, especially when you're talking about a DSL or cable internet replacement. Nokia launched the N79 Active Sport Phone this week. Joey, I, I'd like to to hear your thoughts on this one because I know you've ha- you have a phone in your house that does kind of some of this stuff. Well, you know, we've got uh, it, it's basically got a heart monitor in it so you can kind of keep track of your workouts and things uh and things like that um i didn't see in here specifically that they're using the gps Uh, i know um garmin has some gps style uh trainers where they'll keep track of your run speed and all that but that may be in here it doesn't specifically say that oh yeah it does built-in gps keeps tab amounts actually okay i i didn't read it closely enough so it's kind of a phone targeted towards uh more of an active person so it's kind of a neat little you know add-on to a regular cell phone Yep, this variant of the N79 comes with a, an exercise-friendly set of headphones, 4-gigabyte microSD card, and better music handling right out of the box. Of course, still has a 5-megapixel camera, 3G, and Wi-Fi, and will cost just slightly more, uh, 375 euros, uh, before carrier discounts. T-Mobile launched the HTC Touch Viva in Germany this week. This is uh, also known as the MDA Basic, and it is a kind of a down-market style uh, Windows mobile handset. It's got a 2-megapixel camera, GSM and Edge-only, TouchFlow 2D, Wi-Fi, and GPS. It is uh, running uh, Windows Mobile 6.1 Professional, so it's still a a, a professional-style device, uh, but you'll be able to get it for a very, very low price. Looks like five dollars on a two-year contract in germany so if you're in germany check this one out if you're looking to get yourself into a cheap windows mobile device htc announced this week that nvidia will be providing the graphics chips in its 2009 devices in the tegra processor the tegra processor is a geforce uh, chip that will include or that is uh the tegra 600 runs at 700 megahertz and the tegra 650 runs at 800 megahertz so look for some speedier uh, processors. I totally screwed that one up, didn't I, Joey? Let's clarify this one. The NVIDIA Tegra processor runs at 700 megahertz or 800 megahertz, depending on the processor. It has nothing to do with the graphics card, does it? No, I think this actually, it's a, it's integrated. So oh, it's an integrated they're, graphics card. Gotcha. Yeah, they're, they're both in there. We've got, uh, you know, they're going to have you know more support for 3D, uh, better graphics. You know, I'm a big fan of uh, NVIDIA video cards uh, on the PC side of things. And and that's what uh, Apple's using, too, uh, for some of their uh, systems, too. So uh, look forward to this because this may improve uh, Windows Mobile uh, graphics capabilities. And, of course, you know their, their CPU speeds are going to be increasing. So uh, you'll have even faster devices coming out. And lower battery light. Battery life on uh, those devices. Sure. <laughs> All right. Well, AT&T uh, announced a mil-spec device from Motorola this week, the Tundra. It's now on sale. And this device has got all the typical mil specs that you would expect as far as, you know, drop and dust and, and other types of uh, options there as far as what you can do with the device. 3G, 2-megapixel camera, and a stub antenna, AGPS, QVGA display, and micro SD expansion. Uh, next here, the Kogan Agora has been delayed indefinitely. This was supposed to be the next Android-based device coming to the market. It had a front-facing QWERTY keyboard, which was exciting for many folks that were looking for a replacement or at least something that they could use in a more uh, one-handed usage-type scenario, but it has, uh, alas, been delayed. So we will, uh, don't know when this one will be coming out, but of course we will see some more Android devices over the next year, and uh, we'll keep in touch with those as they come out. 
The BlackBerry Curve 8900 went live this week on T-Mobile's U.S. site. The full retail price, $499, $199 on a two-year contract, and you'll be able to get it if you're a business customer available uh, starting on Monday or February 11th in retail stores. The Sprint Trio Pro specifications got uh, announced this week. Uh, They go something like this. Robust battery life with a 1,500 milliamp hour lithium-ion battery. Windows Mobile 6.1 Professional. A 128 megabyte DDR program memory with 256 megs of non-volatile user memory as well. A GPS for navigation and turn-by-turn directions. Autonomous and simultaneous GPS built in. Instant on Wi-Fi with a shortcut key. A 2 megapixel camera and a retail value of $549, similar to the GSM version, or $249 on a two-year contract, so a nice price point there for this Windows Mobile 6.1 OS device. Of course, I tested out this device when it first came out uh, for the uh, on the AT&T network in the GSM side of things. You can read that review over at thecellphonejunkie.com if you're interested in seeing what this phone is all about. Refreshed olive green and rose centros are on sale at Best Buy. And actually, uh, th- these are for free. So if you're uh, you're interested in getting yourself a Centro, you can do so in these two colors. Kind of exciting, Joey, if you're looking to get a Centro. Of course, I'm sure they have new ones there as well. I, I don't know what the price point is on that. I think they're, what, down 20 bucks now? Uh, well, I don't know. It's, it's it, I, I can't tell because this was for, this particular uh, ad here is for uh, refurbished or refreshed ones. Um, I looked in in my local flyer here on the the website, and this particular uh, promotion was not listed. So mm. I don't know if it's not available in my area, or if it's coming up next week, or or what the deal is exactly on this one. Uh, but they're selling brand new Centros out of contract for five hundred and twenty dollars at oh, Best Buy. That is just ridiculous. <laughs> Who's going to pay yeah, that? That is ridiculous. Um, I, I'm kind of curious what they're, what Best Buy would be selling one of these for out of contract if they sell them out of contract, uh, the refurbished uh, 128 meg models. Because I'd be, I'd be curious about that. Because I'd, 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 you know, if it's cheap enough, maybe I'd upgrade. Um, sure. Even though I, I don't have any memory issues, so I get, there's not really much uh, reason to upgrade. And my Centro itself, uh, after what a year and two months, three months here, it's holding up extremely well. I mean, there is very little wear on this device. The keyboard works perfect. Everything uh, is basically good as new on this thing. So I'm I'm extremely impressed with the quality, uh, the build quality of this device. Mm. That's that's good to hear. And if you're, I, I'm thinking this may just be an online exclusive. If you're buying the device online, maybe you can get a refreshed one from them. Um, if you sign up for a new contract, possibly. I, yeah, I don't know. I I, I, mm. I couldn't find anything about it on Best Buy site. Well, regardless, you can get your olive and rose centros at Best Buy uh, in either uh, you know either form, whether it's new or refreshed. Into the software here, the Nokia E seventy one gets uh, an update. If you're in Europe, uh, you've got a, a, a very large update. It looks like uh, version two hundred point twenty one dot one eighteen. Lots of different fixes, additions, and improvements, including the addition of Internet Radio and My Nokia applications, and a pair of new themes. No word as to when the update for the North American E71-3 will come out, uh, but should be up within a couple of weeks, as typically happens with Nokia devices. 
Live Search version 4 for Windows Mobile is now available with a new feature called Bird's Eye View. This allows for satellite-based viewing at sort of an angle. So uh, it's it's similar to the uh, Google Street View if you were to just uh, take that one and kind of lift it up, you know, to about the, you know, elevation of what you'd see it as as a helicopter or bird's eye. So that's kind of a neat uh, new feature there. You can get it by going to wls.live.com on your phone to download the new version. I installed uh, this on the new Q9C this week, and, and I didn't even look to see if it was this version. I didn't know there was a, a new version out, so I'll have to go back to that and see if it got the updated version on there and check that service out, because I, I do like that uh, that that angled aerial view. It's pretty neat. Yep, it's it's a, certainly a nice opportunity to, uh, to take a look at the area in which you're going and uh, kind of map out your route. So anyway, check that one out. Also, Apple approved third-party browsers for the iPhone this week, uh, according to a PhoneScoop article here, saying that the uh, browsers would be developed by third-party companies. Previously, Apple, of course, said they would not allow applications that duplicated the functionality of the native iPhone applications. The first few browsers that were approved are called Edge Browser, Incognito, WebMate, and Shaking Web. They range from free to $2, but they are all based on the same WebKit core as Apple Safari and add functionality to the existing Safari browser. So that means they will probably not be uh, approving browsers from companies such as Opera, uh, Skyfire, Chrome, or Firefox for the iPhone. So it's just an addition on top of what Safari already gives you. So basically, in my interpretation of this, you're going to have a more unstable browser with more functionality than the built-in Safari running with the same core. So I don't know where the big benefit's going to be exactly here with these. Yeah, they've kind of added some hokey stuff in. I don't necessarily think too much about these, but as an example, the WebMate browser gives you tabbed browsing, which they say simplifies for easier queuing of links. Shaking Web, you know, Shaking Web's allows you to... It, it takes it takes how you hold the phone when you're traveling. So, for example, if you're on a bus or a subway or something like that, and your your hand is constantly shaking around, this helps to kind of use the accelerometer to correct it so that it's easier, I guess, to read the screen. So, some that's basically what these type these things are doing is they're kind of taking and T- building tab on browsing, tab browsing. I can understand. You don't like we'll the shaking leave, web? We'll just leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> anyway, maybe it works. I, you know, I don't commute via public transportation, so maybe this is a big problem for people. I don't know. Maybe it could get, be. A lot of people getting sick reading mobile screens on, <laughs> on subways. I don't know. Anyway, uh, next one here, Sprint's Trio 755P got an update. They released the 1.08 update for the Trio 755 back in October, the updater was accessible via direct link and uh, was supposed to fix a phone reset issue. The Palm support page for the 755P lists the 1.04 update with a release of uh, January 2nd of 2009 as the feature download and actually links back to the 1.0 update released back in August. So um, some silent leaks of software out there. So check that one out if you've got the Sprint Trio 755P. Touch Diamond users, you'll be excited to know there is a new ROM available for your device. It's got the following fixes, such as when you launch the camera while uh, the system is working on other programs. The preview screen may become black. They fix that. When playing video, sometimes the portion of the video will be cut off a little bit. Fixes of audio playback problems with the speaker. Specifically, sometimes the music will turn off and on. After 10 minutes, there's still a buzzing sound or no sound at all. 
fixes a problem where there will be uh, you'll be able to receive MMS when in the standby mode and when launching music via the music tab. In TouchFlow 3D, the sound may intermittently turn off for a second and then come back on. You can get it by going directly to the htc.com slash Europe site, because of course this is for the GSM or European version only. Punch in your serial number and you'll be able to download the, the, the uh, executable software package directly uh, to your computer, which I have done. I just have to get a Windows computer that I can install this on and update it on my Diamond. But I'm excited to see a, yet another update. I believe this is the third ROM that I've had for the Diamond in uh, just under a year of having it. Uh, Windows Mobile uh, 6, uh, or Internet Explorer Mobile 6, coming to Windows Mobile 6, also known as 6 on 6, for those that didn't know, could possibly be coming to devices that are out right now. It looks like the Sprint Touch Diamond had a uh, ROM leaked out for it as well this week, uh, and it has support for Internet Mobile 6. Joey, I thought this was not going to happen. What's the deal? I'm not sure. I don't know. Uh, maybe the uh, the latest uh, crop of devices, like the... Uh the diamond, uh, maybe it has enough hardware support to, to, to handle IE6 mobile. So uh, I, I guess we'll just have to wait to see what, what happens with this. Yeah, I guess people will be not happy, maybe not having to buy new devices to get this new Internet Explorer on there, which, you know, makes a lot of sense. Why would you need a new device just to get a new piece of software? But, uh, you know, they're doing maybe, what they're doing. Uh, with the, 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 the rumors we kind of uh, had last week that IE, or I'm sorry, the um, uh, Windows Mobile 6.5 has been dropped maybe they decided to roll back IE6 into uh, 6.1 versus putting it into 6.5 exclusively. Maybe that's what's happened. Oh, that could be. That could be. Well, I guess we'll, uh, we'll see what happens with this as new ROMs come out for devices. Uh, StyleTap released for Symbian S60. Of course, StyleTap is the uh, piece of software that allows for functionality of Palm OS operating or Palm OS applications on different operating systems. The Symbian version supports all Nokia smartphones running Series 60 3rd edition, Sony Ericsson devices running UIQ 3.0, and the new Nokia Touch UI devices running S60 5th edition. Um, it supports the hardware features such as screen rotation and optical joystick uh, of the Samsung i8510 smartphone and it introduces a new screen rendering capability that significantly improves the readability of the screen on QVGA devices. So if you're a, a uh, Palm application lover and you want to use them on your Symbian device, you can do so now. A free 14-day trial is available, and the preview price of the software is $49.95. And finally, in the software side, the iPhone App Store hit 15 thousand applications this week and has over 500 million downloads so far the application store of course was released just this past summer so in six months they've had 500 million downloads absolutely amazing joey i don't know any thoughts huge numbers just huge absolutely uh just i don't know phenomenal in the last month alone they've they've uh you know, approved 5,000 applications and uh, had only 300 million downloads. This was back on December 5th. So it's just, you can tell there's definitely a, a lot of stuff going on with the iPhone and the App Store over the holiday season. Into the questions and comments this week. First one is a comment from Lenny. He says, hey, Mickey and Joey, heard the last episode with Joey's problems with customer service 
at Sprint. Just to give him a little tip, Sprint customer service is still a work in progress for improvement, but in the meantime, I suggest that he either calls account services or retentions or executive services as those reps are highly trained and are well-versed on Sprint billing systems and codes. Trust me when I say that there are they are worlds better. Using executive services will even assign you a specific representative who remains assigned to your account when you call in. It's a shame to hear stories like this for a longtime Sprint customer as I too have had the these experiences. Luckily, I found using other avenues allows me to reap the rewards of Sprint, Sprint's excellent network quality and pricing while dodging their do, dodging their shoddy customer service. Here are the direct phone numbers for both. Please share on the air if you wish. So if you're interested in this, get a pen or hit pause. Ready? Account services, 1-866-235-1185. That's 866-235-1185. And executive services is at 703-433-4401. That's 703-433-4401. Both have little to no hold time, and they can and go straight to representatives. Thanks, Lenny in New York City. Joey, what do you think? Yep, I, I, I kind of mentioned that earlier about uh, calling up the retentions department uh, directly. Um, that's uh, great to hear about the uh, uh, executive services with a rep that's assigned to you. That would be absolutely excellent um, because, you know, if you have bigger issues like this or, you know, bigger accounts, you know, it's, it's, a, lot more, it's a lot more difficult to handle. So uh, that's great to see that. And uh, thanks for the phone numbers and tips. I know I think one or both of these was posted, I think, this week on the Consumers or last week or something like that. But um, it's great to have these no- numbers. They seems like they frequently change them to keep people from really getting a hold of these. But, you know, we, we've got to have some options for Sprint. And, and like he said, you know, the network uh, actually is very good and very stable. It's got, it's got very good coverage in, in most areas. Uh, definitely not as good as Verizon. But, but for the price, usually it's, it's a good savings if you can handle their customer service. Mm-hmm. I, I think so, and I think um, you know. I'm glad that we've got we had this information shared. So, if you're uh, if you're having issues or you'd like to not have issues with Sprint and your customer, check those out. Next one here, question from Greg. He says, Mickey and Joey, how about that Palm Pre? I'm quite impressed with what I have seen so far. Until that device is available, I am living in a Crackberry world. There are lots of things I like about this bold, but a few I don't care for. The biggest thing is the notification settings. On my previous device, the Trio 680, when you get a notification, it turns on the screen with the text of the message or event on top so you can glance at it and know if you need to stop and pick it up and interact with it right away. Some calendar and message notifications can be ignored for the moment or longer, but on the BlackBerry Bold, you hear a little audible alert that you have set up, but you have to pick it up and turn it on and unlock the screen and go to the application to see what it is. Joey, I know uh, you understand how good it is not to have to turn on the device just to see what is coming in. Mickey, are there some settings that will change this on the Bold? I know there are about 500 of them, but I figured I've only figured out a few of them. Thanks, Sticky Note Man. Well, uh, you know, unfortunately, this is kind of a, you know, an issue with the BlackBerry, and that's if you don't have it, or l- l- let me back up. If you have the device just uh, sitting out, not in a holster, you are not going to be able to see these notifications that you have coming in. So for an example, uh, you have three different things that you can have it, the device do when you get a notification, whether that's an email, phone call, SMS, calendar alert, task, 
uh, reminder, whatever it is. Uh, you can have it play an audible alert. You can have it vibrate, and you can change the uh, what the LED on the device does. Um, you can have it so that when you get an incoming email, the LED flashes red. That's usually standard. That's what most people have. But you can turn that off, or you can change it to it, it flashes red when something else happens or whatnot. But it does not light up the screen, and that, I think, is what the issue that you have with it. <clears throat> so what you can do, and this is what I do, um, is I have a, an OEM holster that BlackBerry makes. Now, they used to distribute these with all of their Blackberries, where they were the plastic-style holsters at one point, and then they transitioned over to the leather holster for the 8800 series, and now the Curve and Pearl devices no longer come with holsters. Uh, they that clip. Well, they don't clip onto your belt. All they do, they come with this little, like, pouch. And this is the Curve um, that I have with Verizon and uh, wow. AT&T. They come with this little pouch that you slide into it. And, and the good thing about these pouches, and, and people kind of look at them and go, why would I want to use that? It looks so chintzy. It's because they've got magnets in them. And those magnets um, interact with the phone itself, and it tells it whether or not it's in a holster. So I've got a belt holster for my Curve, and whenever something happens and I've got it in the holster, um, I have it vibrate. And so what I do then is when you pull it out, it activates the screen. And so that's kind of getting around the issue of not lighting up the screen to see what happens. And then, of course, once the phone, um, the screen is lit up, you can see uh, the icons on the top of the screen if it's a, an, an email or uh, see text messages show up in the same place, I think. But you can see if it's a missed call or a uh, voicemail or uh, a BlackBerry messaging um, you know, message. That's a really neat function as well. I, I would highly recommend you take a look at the BlackBerry Messenger if you haven't as well. Um, that's just so much fun to do instant messaging with. But anyway, so then you can look at it. If you don't want to do anything with it, put it back in the holder and it locks the screen again. So it does a really nice job of, you know, kind of keeping you having to not press buttons all the time. Well, that's one feature I, I can't believe they don't include uh, anymore because that was a really, a, a, I thought that was an amazing feature. Um, by the way, you can get those holsters on eBay for about 10 or $11. I've had to buy a couple of them to replace uh, lost ones. And uh, they're extremely good price. And they're the actual, you know, BlackBerry branded uh, holsters. So uh, make sure you check that out if you don't have one of those, because uh, yeah, you're really missing out if you have a BlackBerry and don't have one of those, you know, the, the specialty holsters that activate the uh, functions of the, 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 the profiles in there. And, and I do uh, uh, definitely uh, appreciate the little quick screen uh, flash that the uh, like text messages come in on emails. Uh, not s sometimes it does with emails. I don't know if it always does, uh, but I have different uh, sound uh, different sound settings for when different um, events come in, so that I know if it's an email or I know if it's a uh, text message uh, without having to look at it. Um, one reason why BlackBerry may not do that is uh, every time the screen does kick on, that actually does uh, lose more battery power. And, and if this is a, you know, a full-fledged email device, which a BlackBerry is, uh, you, you actually could be uh, affected in battery life over the course of the day, depending on how many emails you receive. Well, I know that I've got my screen, I think, to set off after one minute. And if you look at over the course of the day, I usually get somewhere between 80 and 100 emails. It's just, I mean, it would be on constantly you know i mean every couple of minutes it would be coming on so uh i don't know i i would i can understand it with text messages and unfortunately it just does its you know makes its noise and you get your message and that's it and you got to click the screen on to see it and it, it is a little bit of a pain but check out the holster that may uh, you know help you out with some of this this that, these problems that you're having um or at least you know solving um something like that i know not everyone likes holsters i love them i think they're great um, Joey, I know you never use like belt holsters, nope. but nope, it's in the pocket exclusively. My cell yeah. phones always have been. That's just me, I guess. I like the holsters anyway. 
Uh, next one here, question from Ryan. He says, Mickey, long time no right. I just discovered your Unlocked podcast, and I love it, especially show number 12. I'm an iPod, excuse me, iPhone fanboy, and so now uh, anything I hear about it is great. I am glad to hear you're back on the iPhone. I absolutely love it. I cannot believe I waited so long to get it. I do have an issue that really bugs me. Um, do you have any issues with the proximity sensor not working correctly? My face hits the screen all the time and either calls someone or hits a number key and blasts a keynote to the person I am talking with. A number of things have happened. I do have a rubber case around the phone, but it's not third party. It's one that AT&T sells. I also have a screen protector on it as well, which I bet most people have um, on their phones. It is really annoying. Maybe I, it's just the way I'm holding it to my face. Well, uh, you know, I have not had this problem. In fact, I've got uh, the in-case rubber holster that goes around uh, the iPhone, and um, it does not block the proximity sensor. I can see it when I hold it up to a light. It's just to the left of where the the the, the speaker is on the on the top, where you hold it up to your ear. So when you put it up, it it takes care of that. But uh, it's not blocking that. I'm guessing yours isn't either, especially if it came from the AT&T store. That screen protector, though, I don't have one of those on mine. So I'm wondering if that may, in fact, be the problem that you're facing, is that that screen protector covering up that sensor is not allowing it to do its job properly. So uh, what I would recommend, and it may not look um, quite as good as you want it to, but um, Take that screen protector and modify it in a way. Hold a, Take a flashlight. Hold it up to your screen. You'll see exactly where those two sensors are on the top left corner of the screen and cut out the screen protector in a way that doesn't look too wonky. Maybe take uh, at the top of the three and a half inch screen and you can just draw a straight line across and, uh, and cut it off right there so it just covers basically the uh, probably what the 85 or 90% of the screen but leaves the top exposed. But at least then it may solve this issue where you're having it because I have never once had this problem problem yeah and and also just because you got the 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 thing at the at&t store doesn't mean it's going to be apple approved Mm. um so watch Mm -hmm. out for that uh you know same goes with any accessories sold sold at any uh store um for your device that i mean they want to get the cheapest uh accessory they can so they can make the most money on it so you do have to actually watch out for that yep absolutely uh, moving on, comment from Matt. He says, Mickey and Joey, as for the self-designated uh, Linux advocate and software developer, uh, or as the self-designated Linux advocate and software developer, I wanted to add some information about the Palm Pre to your coverage on the last episode. Technically, the pre-operating system is Linux, and WebOS is the user interface and application framework built on top of it. It looks like programmers will use technologies that make up dynamic web pages, HTML and CSS for the layout, and JavaScript for the programming language. This seems like a bold choice. I hope it works out good for Palm. I also found a quote from a Sprint representative at CES who said they would only have an exclusive on the pre for three to six months. Maybe that will cause them to have a smaller marketing campaign. Great show. Thanks, Matt. Well, thanks, Matt, for the clarification on that. Yes, it will be interesting to see what the exclusive is when it does come out. Yeah, I did read that information. We really didn't talk about it too much because I figured it was maybe a little too uh, too low level for some of the listeners. But um, what what I think is interesting about those um, the technologies that they're going to be using for you know the, the underlying OS there and, and for apps is that anybody can basically debug and troubleshoot their apps without ha- even having to run an emulator. I mean, they can just do this right in their own web browsers to uh, you know to test out their apps and to develop them. So it's it's kind of an interesting approach they're taking on this. And I'm, I'm real 
curious to see how uh, how well this takes off and how fast this takes off. It's, yeah, it's obviously not that good for gaming. Um, that's where it's where it's going to be a really really limited, um, you know, uh, real limited platform for at least here initially. But I don't think that's going to be too much of an issue. I don't think that's really what people are necessarily looking for with this device. That's not it's not one of the prime functions, is it? No, because I mean, Palm has always been a business style app, and and they're they're really aiming for the the, the prosumer uh, market on this right now. So I, you know, I don't think they're going to be missing that much of the boat if they don't have game support. Mm-mm, I don't either. In fact, I you know, as much as the iPhone is a gaming platform or can be a gaming platform, I I don't have any games on it. It's just I don't know. Maybe maybe I need to look into this. Maybe I need Super Monkey Ball or something. Maybe, and you know, honestly, if you're going to do gaming. Pick up a Nintendo DS or something. I mean, it's just, mm. I, you know, got to keep, you know, convergence is nice in some regards, but you know what? Sometimes you, it's just better to have a separate device. Mm. That is uh, no truer word have I heard spoken this week, I think. That is very, very true. Anyway, let's move on here. Comment from Andy. He says, hello, it's Andy uh, again from Australia. I have a comment about the future possible Microsoft App Store. I totally get why people are excited by the popularity that Microsoft will open such a site. This will attract more users. But I didn't hear anyone talking about the drawback. Remember, Microsoft teamed in the past with Handango to screw the software programmers. (laughs) Why would you think they forgot or abandoned their old ways? We should read between the lines. What was the main complaint about Apple's App Store? We all condemned the uh, total... Total, totalitary way Apple controls their store. I truly believe Microsoft will do the same. The signs are already here. They decided to reduce the number of devices for which they will license Windows Mobile on. Let's watch them carefully. Thanks again for the great podcast. Well, Andy, that one I think is very uh, very true as well. I think we'll see Microsoft certainly teaming up with some partners that will get them some exclusives uh, with certain people, and that's just what we'll have to deal with. And it'll probably be poorly implemented like everything else. Oh, mm. wait, no, I'm not, not trying to bash Microsoft, but <laughs> usually these things don't go that well. Yep, I don't think it's, I don't think it, from from the, the prior experience that we've seen, I think you're right, Joey. I think that's just kind of the way it's going to be. But um, again, we'll reserve some judgment for when they finally release it. And finally, a question from Nick. He says, I regularly listen to your podcast and would like to know more about push email. I have an HP IPAC uh, 112 and a GSM touch Uh, from HTC phone. I live in Australia and regularly travel overseas. What options do I have for push email? I use Hotmail, Gmail, Yahoo, and Adam Mail through my service provider. I'm in the market for a new phone, secondhand, refurb, and I'm thinking about a non-Windows mobile phone as I find them too unstable. I need an RSS reader, currently use SPB Insight and SPB Mobile Shell. I would also like at least eight gigabytes or more uh, for a memory card to use, as well as a podcatcher, and of course, music and watching movies and reading eBooks. Uh, I need over-the-air use, and I do not carry a computer with me. Is there any good and fast web browsers available? Iris and Opera do not work properly. Always shows lack of memory. Thanks, Nick from Australia, and for the great podcast. Well, we'll address these one by one. Push email uh, for the uh, non-BlackBerry-style devices. Your push email service typically is handled through an Exchange server. I'm not saying always, but typically it is. And you, you take an Exchange server that you... Um, can either contract with uh, through a third-party vendor to push all your email out to you, or of course, if you have a company that has push email, you can uh, with an Exchange server, you can do it that way. 
And the ActiveSync client on your device uh, takes and, and constantly has what they call a heartbeat with the server through your, your, your uh, cellular network. And what that does is when an email comes in, the phone is in not essentially a constant connection, but it's got this interval connection where it knows uh, when, you know, where the phone is and how to get in touch with it. Um, basically, it's some underlying protocols that we won't get into here. But um, uh, the, the server knows where the phone is, and it, it, it literally pushes that message out to the device. The device then um, basically does a, uh, or does it, it sends out a message to the device. The device does a sync, and it gets the, the, the piece of mail, and uh, you move on your way. This happens with either mail or calendar events or appointments, or I mean, uh, excuse me, contacts. So it does it with, with any of these. It can do it with Windows devices, uh, Symbian devices through the Mail for Exchange, uh, Palm operating system. Now the iPhone, it's got integration for. So it does a, a pretty good job of, of covering multiple platforms here. Um, Joey, what else can we add to that one? Push email is also available on Hotmail, Gmail, and Yahoo through the IMAP service with the idle command. Um, it varies on your device. and I'm sure the uh, Windows Mobile here, aren't both of these Windows Mobile? Uh, those two are, but you know, at this point, you can't do IMAP idle on um, Windows Mobile, unfortunately. You, you can't? Nope, it's a sync. You have to do an every 15-minute sync. Really? Well, what about uh, when you use like their own clients? Like if you use um, like a Google's uh, client that you can download for Windows Mobile or Yahoo's mm. client for Windows Mobile, don't those have push support or they don't? No, unfortunately, they do not. Um, they're, what you find is you're, you're constantly, you're, you're in a f- every 15-minute sync or five-minute sync or whatever it is, but it's not pushed out. Uh, the iPhone, oh, of course, does have push support for Yahoo, and uh, uh, you know Gmail has got push support on the BlackBerry, so that's nice. But that's that's under that's that's going back to how their servers interact with Google servers. So, well, now the uh, the, the Palm here, the, the VersaMail client that I use for the uh, the push email for the Exchange server. Uh, does not support the push email for Gmail, cause that, and that's what I use. But if I use the Sprint um, email service, that does, in fact, support the push email through uh, Gmail. Yeah, there are, there are some third-party services that will do it. That is correct. Yeah, so back to the question about traveling overseas. I mean, I don't know how you really do avoid that uh, data so much. Because I know it is usually a lot more expensive, unless you have a, 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 a global roaming plan, which in Australia, I'm not sure what their options are. Mm-hmm. Like here, you know, one of the, 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 uh, the phones at the office, I've got a, a BlackBerry that has the international roaming plan on Verizon, which then all the data is included. So it can push all day long and it, it doesn't cost anything more. One thing that you can't do is you can't do push Wi-Fi. You can use Wi-Fi uh, to, uh, you know, you turn off the phone and then you turn on the Wi-Fi and you're within a Wi-Fi hotspot. You can use it to send and receive your mail. But for, I think, every phone that's available right now, Wi-Fi is essentially off when you turn the phone off. And that's simply because the phone would last about five minutes if you had the Wi-Fi on, not five minutes, but a couple hours. It would drain the battery down because Wi-Fi uses more power. Um, So you wouldn't be able to have push email with the Wi-Fi on. So keep that in mind. But you would be able to use uh, with your... um, you know, with your iPad, I bet you've got Wi-Fi on that, and you could probably, uh, you know, you could use that to, to download that email to it and send and receive it, especially when you're in those spots, or just download it and process it offline, and when you get back to Wi-Fi, send it. That would work. 
Yeah, so so for his recommendation on a non-Windows mobile phone mm-hmm. and uh, a good browser, you know, I suppose, you know, if you do need to travel regularly overseas, uh, maybe look for a, a BlackBerry. That, I mean, that may be the best uh, route to take. You can, you can. Uh, well, let's let's take that one. I've got a different recommendation, but you okay. could looking through what he's what he wants to do. Secondhand refurbished, thinking of non Windows Mobile. BlackBerry falls into that. Eight gigabytes or more memory card. I think you can do that. Uh, Pod. Yeah, I think all the micro SDs. I think. Yeah. Uh, Podca- yeah. Podcatcher. You're really not. Uh, unfortunately, BlackBerry doesn't have anything really. Uh, at least nothing. Nothing really good. That's that's well known. Um, music, of course, you can put music on there. It does have a media player. Watching movies, yep. Uh, reading ebooks, I don't know about an ebook reader. I'm sure there's there's one out there. I haven't ever looked into that. Um, but anyway, I would recommend looking at the Blackberries. But what even more than that to fit a little bit better for you is a uh, is a Symbian device. Uh, Joey's holding up his palm here. I suppose you could use the palm too. Of course, that does. Yeah, but you know what? But it but it would only be Edge and GSM. So I, I almost have trouble recommending that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, here's here's why I look at because sim- push because push email. You, I mean, you can't you, push email on Edge. Just uh, it's just not this. It. I mean, it works okay, but it's just not as good in my, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, I will tell you that sending and receiving any sort of email on Edge has been annoying for me to say the least because I get so much of it that I miss calls regularly and uh, hence my uh, you know uh, re- restriction of using it. But. I'm going to recommend Symbian. I'm going to I'm going to say take a look at some of the Symbian devices that are out there. Whether or not you just want a regular old uh, you know N95, which is not a regular device. I mean, it's a very full feature device, but it seems very mainstream at this point. Or you know, class it up a little bit. Go with the E71. You know, you can uh, you can find those online. One of my favorite all-time phones up until this point. You know, if you are just carrying one single device, that phone is has all of these things. They've got a great podcatcher. They've got a, a great way. They've got great media support. I mean, Symbian has really done great jobs with integration of media. Um, ebook readers, you've got a few choices with those. You know, over the air, it's got Wi-Fi, it's got GPS. It is a good, good option. They have done a great job for international support, and uh, you know, of making it so. You can manage each program and how it accesses the internet. We talked about this on a previous show back when uh, this past summer we did some Symbian-specific episodes. We talked about how internationally there's not this unlimited data thing you know, like we have here in the U.S., and so people are constantly looking for ways to save you know, their megabytes, and it comes down to, I'm in a Wi-Fi area. I want to use Wi-Fi. I don't want to use my 3G because I don't want to use it up, and uh, so that's Symbian is really, really good for doing that. I would highly take a look at that. That does support the IMAP idle commands, so you would be able to get push Gmail on it. And of course, it does do exchange support So, if, uh, for active sync. So if you wanted to do your push email through an exchange server, you could do it. I just, I think Symbian is the way to go. That's my recommendation for Nick overall. And uh, yeah, so- that's a, that's a great, yeah, I, that, I, I would probably go that route as well. Yeah. So anyway, hopefully that answers that question. And uh, if you have any questions, you can uh, get in touch with us in a couple of ways. Shoot us an email to questions at thecellphonejunkie.com or give us a call to 206-203-3734. And thank you to everyone who has left their comments for us in iTunes. Uh, If you would and you haven't done so yet, we would certainly appreciate it for uh, your comments about the show. Go to iTunes and uh, leave your comments there for The Cell Phone Junkie and The Cell Phone Junkie Unlocked. And Joey, thank you very much. As always, we will talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.